The fallout from the collapse of FTX crypto empire continues with the news today that the company's 30-year-old founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, has been arrested in the Bahamas. It comes after the former billionaire filed his company for bankruptcy last month, leaving many users unable to withdraw their funds. He now faces the prospect of being deported to the US. Garrick Devink is a tech reporter with the Washington Post and has been following this breaking news. Garrett, uh, welcome to RN Drive. Thanks for having me. What can you tell us about Sam Bankman-Fried's arrest in the Bahamas? So Sam Bankman-Fried was arrested Monday night in the Bahamas, just around 6 p.m. The Bahamian police said he was taken without incident and he will appear in a court in the Bahamas on Tuesday morning. Mm. I understand that he's also facing charges in the Bahamas for, I quote, financial offences. But was this largely done at the behest of U.S. authorities? Yeah, it looks like this came from a direct request from the U.S. federal government prosecutors. So they say that they have a sealed indictment um, against Sam Bankman-Fried, which essentially just means they're preparing to file charges against him, and they will announce those charges Tuesday morning. Mm. So the two countries do have an extradition agreement, so um, Sam Bankman-Fried will most likely be heading to the U.S. to face those charges we're unclear exactly when that will happen, though. Mm. Just how unusual is it for people uh, suspected of financial crimes to be detained in the Bahamas? I mean, it's a good question. I do think that the Bahamas, along with a few other island nations, obviously have a reputation um, as being somewhere where you might set up a business or conduct your financial activity if you don't want to get in trouble for it. But at the end of the day, I mean, this country is still a country of laws. I mean, and Sam Bankman-Fried, you know, has a lot of uh, questions that he needs to answer. And, Mm. you know, he himself has been out in the media. He's been doing all sorts of Zoom appearances. He's been talking to almost every journalist who will sit down with him, explaining himself. Um, You know, a lot of lawyers say that's not a good thing to do when you are being accused from, uh, you know, different investors and customers of, you know, losing their money. And so it's possible that, you know, he just sort of, um, you know, there's a lot out there, and yeah. the Bahamian, yeah, they wanted to to kind of arrest him uh, at the request of the U.S. Yeah, a lot on social media, Twitter in particular as well. I mean, mm-hmm. we speak of these charges. We don't know what they are at this stage, but what might they be? Yeah, I mean, I think you can definitely expect, you know, the financial fraud charges. Um, you know, essentially what people are accusing him of, of is, you know, moving money around that, you know, he had no right to, to do that and sort of using customer money to make investments. You know, Sam Bankman-Fried himself, as I've said, he's been speaking a lot and he says nothing that he did has been malicious. He's been defending himself and he says he's made a lot of mistakes and that he should have been a better CEO. He should have had better financial controls. He should have kept better track of where all the money was, but that he didn't do it maliciously. And so really what people want to know and what the investigations that are ongoing and, and, and you know, what a, any potential court case or criminal trial that will come out of this will try to say, was he really just sort of, you know, really, really bad at his job or was he actually malicious and intending to defraud his customers and his investors? Mm. Just how swift might the process of extradition be? I really don't know the answer to that. I have to admit I'm not an expert in 
extradition treaties between the U.S. and but the Bahamas, but it doesn't necessarily look like there needs to be a, a long, drawn-out hearing. Um, I actually just read the treaty itself, and as long as the crime that the person is accused of is, is a crime in both countries, which in this case it looks like it is, um, it's, it's simply a matter of the U.S. making a petition to the Bahamian government and saying, look, this is why we want this guy – um, this is what we believe he's done. Um, please hand him over to us. Mm. The founder of failed cryptocurrency exchange, Sam Bankman-Fried, has been arrested in the Bahamas in another extraordinary turn in a rather extraordinary story. Washington Post tech reporter Garrick DeVink has been following developments and is with you on RN Drive. Garrett, this comes just a day before Bankman-Fried was due to give testimony via video link to US lawmakers about the collapse of FTX. Is there any any indication whether that will still go ahead? It's a good question. If I had to say, I would guess that it's not going to be going ahead. I mean, mm. he will be in a prison in the Bahamas. He's also going to uh, court in the Bahamas on Tuesday. And so he seems to have his hands full with that. Um, you know, the U.S. legislature and sort of the federal prosecutors who uh, requested this extradition. I mean, they don't necessarily work together. They don't necessarily even talk to each other. And so it's possible that, you know, as everyone is clamoring for answers, this is sort of just the shoe that dropped first. Um, but I think a lot of people will be disappointed that he will not be testifying under oath um, because people really want to, you know, have some answers from him. Um, he has been speaking to a lot of media, though, and a mm. lot of his explanations have not really been satisfactory. So, I mean, I've watched a lot of congressional hearings with tech CEOs, and they're quite good at sort of, you know, speaking a lot without saying a lot. And mm. so, although he, you know, it looks like he will not be testifying, it, it's unlikely he would have, you know, provided any major bombshells um, or given up new information that he hadn't spoken of to the state. So if not giving up any new um, information that he hasn't already uh, spoken about in a public forum, do you think it was more of a chance for him to win back some public trust? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's part of what he's doing. He's speaking to uh, journalists. He's, you know, was wanting to speak to, to these legislators to kind of get his side of the story out there. Um, but a lot of people are quite upset with him. I mean, uh, people who are believers in the crypto world, who are invested in cryptocurrencies um, and think that it's a, you know, something that will benefit the world and important technology for the future, they feel that you know, he really betrayed them. He was someone who was a major representative of the industry. He was someone who was speaking to legislators and journalists all the time. He was you know, among the different leaders in the crypto industry. He had a very positive reputation even among people who were skeptical of cryptocurrencies and thought it might be just, you know, a giant scam or a giant Ponzi scheme. You know, he was someone who people actually sat down and listened to. And for it to sort of come out that, you know, either the financial controls at his company were so bad that he was able to lose, you know, billions of dollars in customer money essentially overnight, or that he was maybe perpetrating a malicious fraud, as some people are accusing him from, you know, is very disappointing to the cryptocurrency world. And, you know, prices for Bitcoin, for Ethereum, for other kinds of cryptocurrencies have plummeted over the last year, and some other companies have collapsed and mm. also been, you know, shown to have been frauds as well. And so this is just another hit 
to the crypto industry that is, you know, been in a really tough spot the last few months. Mm, a very cold winter for the crypto market. Uh, John Ray III is FTX's new chief executive. He's a veteran bankruptcy expert. He oversaw the aftermath of uh, energy giant Enron in its collapse. And it's well known now that he's called FTX, and I'll quote, an unprecedented and complete failure of corporate controls, the likes of which he hasn't seen in his career. He's attending these hearings. What are we? What more are we likely to learn from him or has he said as much as he possibly can? Yeah, I mean, he said quite a bit for someone who's, you know, involved so closely in, in you know, these very sensitive procedures. Um, I was able to take a look at his here, his the materials that he had prepared, um, you know, essentially the speech that he's planning to give at these hearings. Um, he released it online already. And, and he does say it kind of at the end of it. Look, there's ongoing investigations. I'm there may be things I'm not able to talk about, but I'll try to answer as many questions as I can. But I mean, the picture that he's painted uh, is already very striking. I and mean, he's the one who's in the room with his team of lawyers, forensic uh, uh, experts, accountants who are essentially sifting through FTX's books, spreadsheets, and you know he has already seen. Um, you know, to a lot that, you know, has caused him to describe it, you know, as you just said, as mm. a very chaotic company where there was, you know, very little controls. You know, one of his descriptions is there was gross mismanagement, you know, the kind of things that anyone would expect a financial company that was managing other people's money to do. This company just was not doing that. And so, mm. you know, we've already heard quite a bit from him and it's possible he might give a bit more detail on that. Um, but the paint, picture he's painted already is, is quite troubling of the reality of this company. Just finally, Garrett, we know that there's about 30,000 Australians who've been caught up in the collapse of FTX. How is the fallout being felt and continuing to be felt in the US? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people in the US and in other countries, Australia, as you mentioned, I mean, FTX was a global company. And of course, cryptocurrency is a global phenomenon. Um Prices have already dropped quite a bit this year, as I mentioned. So a lot of people, retail investors who put money into cryptocurrency over the last few years, a lot of them had sort of already lost a lot of their money. Um, I think, you know, one of the big things that 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 people are feeling here is, you know, some of the venture capital funds and also pension plans. So, you know, for example, the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan put in, mm. you know, seven, you know, a lot of money to invest in FTX. That money is now disappeared. And so there's there are those retail investors that, you know, have lost money. There are also larger investors who represent regular people who may not even have known about cryptocurrency, such as, you know, in Ontario pensioners, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's been a lot of money that's been lost in this sort of, you know, fevered boom time mm -hmm. of crypto. But I do think it's important to also say that, you know, it looks like for now at least this crisis is not going to be spreading to the traditional financial system. And so there was some concern earlier in the year that companies like FTX had become sort of, you know, tangled up with more traditional financial organizations. And it looks like there was enough separation and that the crypto world was kind of investing in their own companies, mm. passing money between themselves, mm. that as they start to collapse, you know, it might impact other cryptocurrency companies. And if you own a lot of cryptocurrency, you're going to be in a tough spot. But if you don't own any cryptocurrency or your company is involved in that in any way, you should be fine. Yeah, that contagion is contained to that sector. Uh, Garrick DeVink, tech reporter with The Washington Post, thank you so much. Anytime. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. 
ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.